podcast where two middle-aged dudes relive their past by enjoying the pop culture of their youth. Devin, are you ready to take your shoes off, wear a wife beater, try to reconcile with your wife while a crew of murderous Western Europeans try to rob a high-rise? You fight the said Western Europeans, jump off a building with a fire hose around your waist, hide in ventilation ducts, all the while screaming, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker!" Just like junior high. Oh, excuse me. Just like <laughs> Vietnam. I blew that one, didn't I? I had it ready to go. Oh, and it was just, so good. Just, it was so good. Just, just, just kind of blew it too early, man. Just you kind know, of blew it too early. I was in junior high, yeah, dickhead. There it is. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, Carl, the intern isn't here with us, but Carl was so devastated um, mm. that he recorded a diehard cover song. Oh. For us, that's so amazing. Wow. Um, we'll actually play it in its entirety at the end of the episode as our kind of closing credits. But Devin, I, I kind of, yeah. when I got this uh, email with this big four-minute song file attachment, yeah. I, I kind of yeah. felt like it's Carl's real, trying real. to take over living the past. I, I don't, I mean, what do you think well, about this guy? Um, well, you know, I think Carl, <laughs> um, how can I put this nicely? Um I feel inferior when he's on the show, Jeremy. I'm afraid that if he comes on on a regular basis, that I might be out of a podcast. So um, I'm just I'm I'm as as a junior vice president of the LLC, living in the past. Yes. Um, I I am hereby um, taking my shareholder claims and saying back to the intern wor- world. Please go refill my coffee. Yes, he's going to be researching for a while. Um, yeah, and then maybe, yes. maybe we'll. Maybe we'll bring bring him back. Gonna be in the bullpen, yeah. Gonna be in the bullpen for a while. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, Devin, I love Die Hard. I mean, it, mm. it was when I first saw it. It was I had just moved. My dad had retired from the Air Force. I had moved yeah. in the in the summer to um, I had moved to Alabama, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was. That, that initial like school hasn't started. So I haven't made friends kind of thing. And I, I went to the theater. It was like maybe early yeah. August. Um, school hadn't mm. started yet. And I bought a ticket to, I, I was in ninth grade, but I just walked up and said, I want one for Die Hard and wow. went into the theater by myself. My parents dropped me off and went in. And then I was so amazed that I, when my dad picked me up, I'm like, dad we got to go see this you got to see this movie and dad was like all right so the, like i think that next day or in the next few days we went together and i got to see it twice in like a three-day span and i nice. man, i love die hard when was the when was the first time you you saw the film saw it in the theater with uh my friend mike um he, he had already seen it and he was he was raving about it yeah. raving about it and um, I, I trusted his opinions. He had, yeah. he had been faithful on other <laughs> other films of, of that era and so saw it. And it absolutely – it did just blow my mind because it, this – it was like something that I hadn't seen before. Right. I mean, not just like with pacing or with, with some of the cinematography, but also like some pure comedic moments in it. Yeah. Um, it, it was just – it was so well done. I, listen, there's Metropolis – there's Citizen Kane and there's Die Hard, Jeremy. Those, those are the upper echelons of celluloid history right there. Um, yeah, you can at me on social media if you want to, but that's them right there. 
It's, it is glorious. And it was one, you know, it, this was at a time like 88, uh, you know, 89 and really just movies in general. It was all, a lot of it was word of mouth. I mean, yeah, you might see yeah, a commercial sure. or a trailer. It's not like today where you get, you know, people re recreating like the trailers of movies because they're so hyped to see it and everybody's talking about, you right. Know. Right. Um, the hype train was different and a lot of the hype train was word of mouth. And I, I just yep. like, like with your buddy telling you about Die Hard, you know, I was telling my dad and then I was telling when I went to school and it was, I would, it was one of the questions like, Hey, have you guys seen Die Hard? That's pretty amazing. You know, it's just something that the way movies kind of not only made their money, but it is, I think it's what gave them staying power for weeks. Well, there's and weeks. also that part of it that we don't, we don't appreciate anymore. Right. And, and I'm talking even our, our generation of Gen Xers. It, it's hard when, when we can just grab our device and, find out where it's playing and see what seats are available. And we can just show up even after the trailers begin because we know right. our seats. like we lose a certain part of the mystique of going to a film because of that, because of the convenience and, right. and technology, we actually lose a great part of being a fan and having a fan experience at films. Right. And I think that again, and, and Die Hard's not alone in this, but one of the things that happened because of Die Hard and with Die Hard is Right. We had especially a bunch of Gen Xers that were in line who right. either got there because their buddies had already seen it or were, were, were going for a repeat viewing. And a, the, a lot of the buzz happened in line waiting for the, the ticket yeah. booth to open up. And, and hopefully you were still going to be able to grab your, your beverages and your snacks and get in there and get a good seat. And yeah. I think that that's one of the other things that it helped drive the 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 fandom and just the the general interest for Die Hard as well as so many other films we've already covered on this pod. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting like the <sighs> Die Hard had a different type of action hero than what we had yeah. been used to seeing in the 80s up to that point. I mean, it was the decade of Stallone and Schwarzenegger, mm. really, where these yeah. guys just yeah. had, you know, they were ripped and they were kind of larger than life and they, you know, I was thinking about Commando the other day which came out just a couple years earlier um maybe three yeah. years earlier like Schwarzenegger never really struggles in that film you know no. he, like he just kills no. everybody and yeah uh you know you look at, at Die Hard this is what kind of separates it I think is that in John McClane played by Bruce Willis you have this um vulnerable and fallible mm. protagonist and there yeah. was such a contrast that you know, I, I distinctly remember there were two or three action scenes where because Bruce Willis did such a good job of playing that vulnerability and that that kind of brokenness that I got tricked. I, I mean, it was the hero. He's going to make mm. it right. But, like, there's that trick in my mind where I thought, you know, how is he going to get out of this? Because I really don't right. think he's going to make it. And, you know, yeah. it's everything from yeah. jumping in the elevator shaft and missing the first like opening and falling and it, it, you know, to getting his feet cut up to, you know, yeah. even jumping yeah. off the roof later with a fire hose around his waist. It, it was just, just so many wonderful action set pieces that made you feel like he wasn't going to make it where you would take similar set pieces and put a Stallone or Schwarzenegger. Generally you expect them to get out. There's no tension, not as much as I felt with Bruce Willis's die hard. I don't know. Yeah, Did I mean, you we feel look, that we way? Look at other things that, yeah, totally. We, we come out and, and look at things you bring up. Obviously, I don't even want to talk about Schwarzenegger because <laughs> with the possible exception of Predator, he, he's, he's always like, it doesn't matter 
what enemy or how many of the enemy he's facing, we know what's going to happen, right? He's just going to go wreck right. shop. <laughs> when we look at Stallone, and I would even say like, okay, when we look at First Blood and we look at the Rambo series, very much the same thing. I, obviously, when we get into things like the Rocky right. series, the Rocky franchise, we we, we have those moments where we think, oh, dear God, is Ivan yeah. Drago going to actually beat the rock? <laughs> um, and, and, and then I, but I think so. And, and some of the, the other films that we've already unpacked on this that involve like Jean-Claude Van Damme. And even, you know, we, we haven't yet touched on things like um, Steven Seagal films, but we all went into the theater knowing what was going to happen. Those guys were going to come out on top, whether it was beating the villain with the glamour girl or both we <laughs> yeah. knew what the outcome yeah. was going to be. Right. And yeah. I think that you're right. We have John McClane here and let's face it. Like Bruce Willis, for those of you that are, are not of the Gen X generation and didn't only know Bruce Willis from um, moonlighting, which is an old TV show. Yeah. Um, his, <laughs> did he have more than one album, but like something about like, <laughs> Bruno sings or something, right? Yeah, and he does yeah. some he he does he does some TV commercials for like Seagram's right. wine coolers. This right. is all we know of Bruce Willis, and so there there's like this big gamble on the parts of the producer of the film, and even for this audience, like okay, this is the moonlighting guy, Sybil Shepherd, and then we go in here and right, we see someone that's not ripped. We see someone that hey, wait, he's he runs out of ammunition, um, and, and we see all these things that no other action heroes that are part of major franchises was ever part of the DNA of the film. And so I think that's one of the things that really makes die hard. The, the action film of action films, if you will. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's a John McTiernan film and, and he had made one of those larger than life, unstoppable killing machine movies with predator. Although I will say, yeah, you know, Schwarzenegger's character in predator, um, Dutch, he, you know, he did face some obstacles. Like it wasn't like Commando right. where he was unstoppable the whole movie. Yeah. But still, McTiernan even has been on record saying, you know, I, I didn't want to take another muscle bound, larger than life, unstoppable force. I wanted someone more human, yeah. um, more fallible, more like imperfect to put in this situation. And, and, even he was responding to what he had made and predator. We've done it. We did predator like about a month ago, uh, a little yeah. bit more than that. And we adore predator. We yes. adore McTiernan. McTiernan went on a yes. run here where he was making all these amazing action movies. Here's my question is, is this, I think I know the answer, but is this his best Devin? Well, I mean, Jeremy, let me just go back to what I said earlier. Yeah. Metropolis Citizen Kane, Die Hard. So Case it's closed. not just it's not just McTiernan's best. I mean, yeah. Francis Ford, who, um, George, who, Stephen, who? Um, yeah, th- th- this is of the look. Look, I, look. You can at me at this if you want to, listeners. I, I, and I'll still love you, right? But like, th- this is as about as close to perfection on film that we see. It hits all the right buttons. And another thing that I love about this, right? And I'll go back to what I said earlier about the Schwarzenegger and the Seagal films yeah. and the Van Damme films, right? Like, and, and this, the, listen, this, this is in no way a slight towards John McClane's wife, but, but we're not talking about some 
22 year old uh, playboy bunny here. We're talking about a a married woman with kids. And I think that's one of the things that also makes this film so great. It's not just like rescuing the playboy model. I'm rescuing like my estranged wife. (laughs) I think like that, that that speaks to the average person, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's not only this is strange, you know, strange from, you know, John McClane, Holly is, you know, she's, smart she's worked her way up to the top of this mega you know multi-million if not a billion dollar company and you know she shows her intelligence throughout the movie and that felt like a left turn too it felt like oh this is a little bit different and yeah you know where she doesn't have as much to do in in part two she's just in the plane the whole movie this one she's mixing it up and you know she's wonderful in it We'll, we'll talk about the cast in just a second this this movie is based on a book called Nothing Lasts Forever, and mm. it's written by a guy named Roderick Thorpe. Came out in the late seventies. He it was actually a sequel to a book called The Detective. Um, mm. Talk about a downer. The book like ends with you thinking that the John McClane type character is a different name, but like he's not going to make it. Instead mm. of a strange wife, it's an estranged daughter. And the daughter dies at the end of the book. And so it's just like such a downer. But um, there's some other differences. Like there's some female like bank robber, terrorist, whatever you want to call them uh, Mm -hmm. in the mix. Um, But they get a lot of they copy a lot. They have the they crawling through the ducks, the air ducks. Mm -hmm. That's in the novel. Mm -hmm. Um, dropping the C4 bomb down the elevator shaft. That's in the novel. Yes. Uh, jumping off the exploding roof with a fire hose attached mm. to the waist. Then shooting through the window to gain reentry. That's in the, in the book. Um, oh, the back, the gun to the back of the, uh, to his tape to his back in the climactic yeah. moment with, with, yeah. with Hans. Yeah. All yeah. that's in the novel. And so it was a much more of a downer, the book, but they took what it seemed to be like the best pieces and, and they put it together for, for the movie. And, yeah, I don't know about you. Do you are you the type of person, Devin, that when you see a movie and you realize it's been based on the book, do you go out and like if you really love the movie, do you go out and search for the book? Or are you more of the type of person that's like, I'm good. I don't I don't need to find that because I'm more of like I seek out the book. But mm-hmm. because this one's such a downer, I'm not going to do it. But do you fall into those traps where you're like, I'm going to go get the book? Yeah, I, I more so than the I read a book. Now I want to go see the movie version of it. Right, right, right. Um, because I, I inevitably that typically lets 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 me down. But yeah. I will say, yeah, I think it's things like this, and I'll give you a great example. This happened with two actually streaming series, and that's Bosch and mm. um, also same thing on, for me. <laughs> on, yeah, Bosch and um, Longmire, both oh, great. Wow. Yeah, both great novels, a uh, series of novels that were turned into streaming series, and I. That's what really piqued my interest in going back and and reading some of of those uh, those literary works. And so I haven't done this yet for for Die Hard. Have you actually read any of the books that are related to this film? No, I haven't. I but seeing it, it was reprinted. It was out of print for a long time, and mm. recently it's been you can find it in ebook form. But also they reprinted gotcha. it. And so yeah, I, there's a little bit of pull for me, but because like what I've read, it's such a downer. I'm kind of like yeah. Nah, yeah. I think I might pass. But normally, normally it's like it's a green light, like especially with like the Bosch stuff. I've been yeah. discovering all these other stories with that character that were not adapted into the, mm. you know, um, into the TV series on Amazon. And I, yeah. I've been yeah. so 
so much in love with it. And um, yeah. I'm reading, I just read the book that they're basing the new IMDb series where he's a private detective. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm, I just read that and it's phenomenal. So I can't wait to see the, you know, the visual version of it. Right. Um, Devin, the cast is crazy in this movie. Uh, you know, you, of yeah, course you have Bruce really Willis, is. you have Alan Rickman yeah. as Hans Gruber. Um, but you go down the list, not only are these sort of actors that a lot of character actors are in this movie, but they're character yeah. actors that you see in other things and yes. all, all of them in this movie are memorable. Even even mm-hmm. some of the like henchmen that don't even say anything, they yes. do things you know where where it's uh oh like um the guy that grabs the candy bar right like yeah. you, you remember yeah, yeah. him and and he's a stuntman <laughs> uh, that's been in and all sorts of things where yeah. like he was even in Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee as like mm. the heavy that they have this great fight um and he was in Big Trouble in Little China so it's just yeah. like you recognize all these people. It's the cast is so like there's such a it's such a home run that yeah. I, I'm just kind of blown away by the cast. Aside from like Willis and, and Alan Rickman, is there mm-hmm. someone in the cast that you're just like, yeah, yeah, this was perfection or this was the most memorable or here's some people that really jumped out to me? Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, not to just, you know, reiterate what you just said, but I think that that's one of the strengths of this film, right, is we have so many of these character actors that aren't there just as a literary device or, or, or right. something to keep the story going forward, but are actually ingrained within the story. And I mean, who doesn't love Al Powell? Yeah. Um, who, yeah. who doesn't love, you know, like his just, yeah, like, I mean, Jeremy. Jeremy, the scene of him going into 7-Eleven and, and trying to convince the guy that the Twinkies are for his pregnant wife. I mean, that's gold. That's yeah, gold. And then, you know, when they start shooting up his car and everything, I mean, that's just and, – and how he's picking up on some of the nuances from his dialogue with John McClane over the walkie-talkie and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, you, you throw in there as the counterweight to that. You you throw in there Paul Gleason as Dwayne T. Robinson. <laughs> and, and I mean, and just the dialogue between he yeah. and Powell going back and forth like that, I think, are some of the the the, the more intimate moments that we get within Dyer that once again, we don't get with the Jean-Claude Van Damme's or the Arnold Schwarzenegger films or, or anything that right. even, even even the Arnold Schwarzenegger films that uh, tried to bring humor into it at various levels. Right. They, they don't do it like this. It's much more of a no. cookie cutter feel in those films. And so, yeah. yeah, but what about you though? Are there, are there characters that you kind of have a, a soft spot in your heart for? Yeah, there's several. I, I, with you, I love, um, Paul Gleason's Dwayne T mm. Robinson, you know, yes. it, he made me so frustrated when I saw the movie, but that was his job as an actor. And yeah, he is so yeah. funny. He was great in the breakfast club. He's great in this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think like uh, the guy that plays Argyle, uh, Devereaux mm. white, um, yeah. Argyle yes. just like, he sticks with me. Like yeah. even, even everything all the way down to, to Ellis, the, the, mm. you know, the Nakatomi, yes. the sleazy executive, um, Hans Bube. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and Devin, you know, I rewatched it for the, the, this episode and, literally something with Ellis that I had missed 
every time I've seen this movie a million times, but there's a scene where he's kind of ingratiating. He's, he's finally sort of ingratiated himself with the terrorists or so he, or the bank robber. Yeah. So he thinks, yeah. And yeah. they bring him a Coke yeah. and they set it down and it didn't connect with me that he had probably asked if they had any Coke because he had been yes. sniffing cocaine. I just, yes. it was just something I had totally, yes. I had missed. And I was like, Oh, that's what's going on. It just, it's just <laughs> little, little stuff like that. Yes. But it's the eighties, Jeremy. Come on. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I, I think of everyone though, Alexander Gudnoff, uh, who played Carl, who was, you know, yeah. Hans is like second in command or whatever you want to call Maybe him. we'll get him as our new intern since he was a Carl. <laughs> hey, that's it. We're getting Alexander Gudnoff. Is he still alive? We'll have to see if he's still alive. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to search. <laughs> but, you know, I had seen him in Witness. Um, mm. He's in oh, this movie. Yes. And, and, you know, he was a ballet dancer, a very famous ballet dancer. And just the action sequences and the fight scenes with him and Bruce Willis mm. are just some of my favorite things. And, and, and so he really, he was menacing and scary and a great un, um, he wasn't the standard like heavy that you get in these yeah. movies. Normally the heavy, yeah. you have the, the, the leader that's sort of the Lex Luthor type, the brains like Hans. And then you have yeah. your number two is this big mus muscle bound guy. Yeah. It's the physical yeah. test for the hero. This, yeah. it just felt different. And yet he was still mm -hmm. menacing and scary and, and just engaging. And, and yeah. that's this cast across the board. They're all mm -hmm. engaging. And, and I, I just, it's one of those things that when you go revisit the movie and you start comparing it, you realize yeah. this might be one of the best action movies, period. Like I, there's not mm. many that can stand up to it. And, yeah. um, and it's a Christmas movie. Devin, do you watch it during Christmas? Like I typically try to get it in once during the Christmas season. Oh yeah. I, I think that that's when it's more of a planned watch for me, but like, so yeah. it gets thrown yeah. in probably once or twice a year beyond that, but yeah. for sure around the Christmas season, why the wife and the daughter are off at my mother's watching Hallmark. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, it's, it's just me and John McClane tonight, baby. So there. grab the dog, grab a beer. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's um, it's amazing when you do a little bit of digging into Die Hard, how many names were attached to this. Here's here's mm. a few names that at one time or another were attached to the film of Die Hard, some a little more serious than, than others, but all were at some point kind of mentioned for it. Richard Gere, yeah. Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Clint Eastwood, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Don Johnson, mm. Richard Dean mm. Anderson, Burt Reynolds, Michael Madsen, which was surprising to me. Wow. Most mo uh, most of them, it was like, yeah, this guy, nah. But some were offered and they declined. Mm. Bru Listen, Bruce Willis is perfect. But of that list yeah. of names, you can see it in the show notes. Of that list of names, is there someone you're like, like we're saying, Willis is perfect. But is there someone that you would say, yeah. I wouldn't mind. I'd be intrigued to see this person play the role of John McClane. Well, I can for sure with 100% certainty say, I'm glad it's not Richard Dean Anderson. Um, I don't, I don't want Hans Gruber being, you know, beaten by bubble gum and yes, uh, paper clips. Yes. Um, that being said, um, you know, it's an interesting mix of folks. I mean, I, I'm looking at this list right now and I don't think that there's anyone that like, if I had to pick one, 
I right. guess maybe because of where we're at in the 80s, I would probably lean towards Don Johnson. But I, I don't mm, want to see. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't want to see the Sylvester Stallones or the Mel Gibsons or the Schwarzeneggers in this yeah. role. I, yeah. I don't really like. I know Harrison Ford would be awesome at this. And I guess that sure. there's some comparisons to like Air Force One as far as yeah. the, the attitude yeah. and stuff. But I like to me. Some of the beauty of this is because we're getting an actor in Bruce Willis and we haven't seen this side of the actor before. So right, if, right. if indeed it's got to be somebody other than Bruce Willis, then give me somebody that's not already on this list and is a known commodity in an yeah. action role. But I'll toss it back right. to you, though, like with, with this list that you've kind of rattled off. Yeah. What what are the names that pop to the top of your head? Initially, it's Gibson. Just because I mm. feel like he has the the range to probably play it, um, yeah. I would be curious on how he would interpret some of the things. But I'm with yeah. you. Like I would prefer to see maybe someone not on this list that you wouldn't. Because the thing that was so brilliant about this was that Willis was not even in the conversation for action movies when this came out, mm. and mm -hmm. you know he was mm -hmm. in Moonlighting. He was a comedic actor. Right. He had some musical right. ambitions. Like it, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't it. And it was such a surprising thing that from this time on he was he had you know he was considered a, a huge action star and yep. you know i mean you could think about movies like the last boy scout right like he, mm. he becomes mm -hmm. this type of 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 actor um yeah. but i would be curious like you who's out there you know at this time in the 1987 1988 that's not necessarily an action star that, yeah. that could be put into this that maybe could become one that that's more intriguing to me um you know what would be interesting whole. is and i think if we, if we look at even some of the other films that we've talked about or some of the actors in there like it would be interesting it, this is within the the era of things like roadhouse to see like a patrick swayze in this role would be kind of interesting mm -hmm. um and and i guess you could probably pick some other folks from that era too whether i tom cruise i guess he might be a little on the young side at this point um, Top Gun comes out what at eighty six, so he's he, I guess yeah. he's probably right around that that age. I guess right. if we made the 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 wife and the and the kids younger, then, then yeah. that would better yeah. suit his his natural age. But yeah. yeah, I I I just think that we are we're treated to something here, and I think that again that goes part to the the success of this film is because Bruce Willis was known; he was a big deal. Yeah, we had just I'm never seen him in, in, in this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's take a break, and and when we come back, we are we're gonna we're gonna look at the film a little bit more and and try to say ask the question. Well, how would we describe it to other people who had never seen it? So we'll be right back after this break. All right, so Devin, here's the here's what Wikipedia, the the fount oh. of knowledge on the internet, yes. says about Die yes. Hard. Oh. This is their synopsis. Die Hard follows New York police detective John McClane, who is caught up in a terrorist takeover of an L.A. skyscraper while visiting his estranged wife. Mm. Okay. So yeah. if you were to add anything to the synopsis to convince someone to see the film, yeah, that they haven't seen it, they're ignorant. Maybe it's it's one of our, our students, so many of our students. I even mentioned this the other day, and they were kind of like, what? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. Um, Die Hard, you've never seen Die Hard? <laughs> Um, so wow. what would you add to like kind of spice it up to try to draw people in? Well, it, so it's interesting, right? Because us using the term terrorist in 1988 is very different than very us using different. it in 2021. Right. And yeah. so even having that in there, I think through the lens of 
2021 and beyond, like that we look at that through a very different lens. And, and we often would probably um, project motives <laughs> to, mm-hmm. of why terrorists would take over a Los right. Angeles skyscraper. <laughs> I, I think, you know, some of the things that are not brought up in this, um, it, it's interesting, right, that we're using the line while visiting his estranged wife. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know that I'd add a whole lot, but maybe I would take away or retool the languages around terrorist takeover and visiting estranged wife. Um, I I think that it does a good job of giving a super, super macro view, but what are the things that I would add into a conversation of trying to like win someone to like, Oh no, pay, pay your, I don't know. What was a movie? 1988, five bucks, pay your five bucks and let's go to the show is it's, it's, it's nonstop. It's got comedy. Um, it, it's like, it leaves you on, on the, the edge of your seat for the entire running time. So I I think those are the things, I don't know how you communicate that in a Wikipedia definition, but those are the things that I would probably use to lure or let me, let me rephrase that. Those are the things that Mike used to lure (laughs) me to, to the movie Uh, theater. Um, but, but what about you though? What, what are some things that you might add or, or change within this Wikipedia version? Yeah, I would say things like, I would be so hyperbolic. I would be like, yeah, the greatest collection of villains in action film history. Yeah. Take on one of the greatest action heroes ever in a high rise building. You know, I, I would be saying yes. things like that. It would be, yeah, this is the greatest. This is the best. I'm sure I would like raise the expectations through the roof to where if someone saw it, they'd go, eh, whatever. But I listen, <laughs> this movie is stellar in so many ways. And I know when the film came out, there was like, you know, there was not every critic liked it, right? Not every, like yeah. there was, you could go read the reviews from 1988 in the summer of 88. Yeah. Not everyone was on yeah. board and sort of retroactively, it seems like everybody is kind of like, yeah, this is, this mm. is good stuff. This is, mm-hmm. this is a good film. Mm-hmm. And so even though there's that today, we all like anyone that has seen it, that's looking back, it seems like it's a hundred percent across the board. Everybody's like, yeah, this is a great action movie. And Mm. I would try to tap into those things like, you know, a group of villains that take over this high rise and it's a mystery of what they're really after, you know, and like, Mm. I would kind of add those story beats because there's, there is mystery. Like what exactly are they doing? And then there's also that tension will, you know, will John and Holly reconcile, which is kind of this Mm -hmm. like weird backdrop on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. The writer, when he was writing the script to die hard and later as he talked to, to, um, McTiernan and the director, you know, there was this idea of like, um, there's a great fear, I think for a lot of couples that Mm. if they have an argument and they separate and something happens, Mm there's no reconciliation and that even adds a tension. And I think that's an underlying tension to die hard that a lot of people don't pick up on mm. is for people that have, you know, have a, a significant other. There's a lot of times where you might have an argument and obviously if you love the person, you want reconciliation, but something comes up and you can't get to that reconciliation moment as soon as you want, or heaven forbid something tragic happens and you never can reconcile. Right. And that, mm. I think there's this inherent fear that kind of permeates the movie, even though it's not yeah. very pronounced. It's like, yeah. can, can John get back to his wife? Like they need to, yeah. they need to like fix this. They need to get back together. Right. And, and, right. and that's at the end of the movie. I think that's one of the things that, that makes it so satisfying is that they do reconcile and they are back together. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I, I love Die Hard for it. There's a layer to it that, 
you don't always see. And I would tap into that if I was trying to des- describe it to someone. Like, there's more going on than just, you know, bullets, right? There's there's more happening. Yeah, so. yeah, and and it's not just you know the the hero trying to rescue the damsel in distress. One, because that's right. not what's happening. And two, like you said, uh, you know, Holly Gennaro is is far from a damsel in distress. She might be right, right. captive. But she is not in distress. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Well, let's let's take a b- break. We'll we'll transition to our segment called Three Big Questions." We'll be right back. Three big questions. Three, two, one. All right, so this is the segment we we love to call three big questions, where we, as we watch the movie and think about the movie, these are the types of questions that come to our mind. Uh, Devin, here's here's one of my questions, and I'm curious what you think. Hans Gruber is probably um, one of the, I mean, you could probably put him in the top five best action mm. movie villains of maybe the last 30, 40 years, mm. maybe all time. And and as I was watching the movie just the other day, I, I kept thinking, well, what is it that makes him so compelling? Like, why mm. is he compelling? What what is it about this character? Because this was his, I think this was Alan Rickman's first feature film. He had done stage work. Um, if it isn't his mm-hmm. first, it's one of his first films. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For you, um, one, just what did you think of him in general? But like, what is it about his performance that's so compelling to us as an audience? Yeah, well, I I think as one of the the very uh, few kids in California in the 1980s that um, took two years of German instead of Spanish, I really <laughs> loved his his use of the German language. Um, that that was <laughs> that that was truly a home run for me. I feel vindicated. Um, German in California in 2021 doesn't serve me as much now that Derminer Schnitzel has closed. Yeah, um, but nonetheless, um, listen, Alan Rickman uh, and, and Hans Gruber as a villain is perfection. And yeah. and mostly because of this, because of the, the other villains that we see, whether it's in Bond films, whether it's in Schwarzenegger films, by and large, they, 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 they may be maniacal, mm-hmm. but they're not smart and savvy. Mm. Or they might be smart and savvy, but they're not maniacal. Yeah. And I think Alan Rickman and Hans Gruber are are a little bit of both. Right. And, right. you know, I, I think that it, there are several things that I love about the performance. But I, I think, you know, when we see him go from, you know, smoking on the rooftop to all of a sudden, like, talking about code switching to trying to convince John McClane that yeah. he's like, you know, one, one of the, the party guests. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant acting. And, and I think yeah. too, like there, there's this that you talked about earlier, you talked about like the buildup during the, the movie and, you know, there's this buildup during the film of like, well, what's going to happen in, in order for us to break through that last part of the vault, right? What is it like the seventh yeah. lock or the fifth lock or whatever else yeah. it is. Yeah. And it's like, and he calmly says, you ask for a Christmas miracle and I give you the FBI. Right. And so like, <laughs> Oh, we've all been playing into his freaking like playbook yeah. this entire time. Yeah. We, yeah. we are, we are just living in Hans Gruber's world, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I think that he just, he brings a, a level of sophistication and, and wit and power to a villain that it is a rare treat for for us right. to see as as film goers. And I don't know if I've mentioned this Jeremy, but Metropolis 
Citizen Kane, die hard. <laughs> gotcha. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> write that down. I, he's uh, the scene that, that comes to mind is what you brought up, where he is looking to see how the, the bomb is and like the wiring and all that. And he bumps into McLean and immediately yeah. starts speaking in American accent brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. says his name is clay who's one of the guys yeah. that works there like yeah he just it, it's just the brilliance of the character the one step ahead where mclean's trying to catch up and, and try to figure him yeah. out the chess game between the two um yes. if it wasn't for mclean he pulls this off with ease right and yeah. you know that's what makes mclean so great is that he he earns this victory against villains mm. that are formidable and it's clear they're mm. formidable as, and how they deal with everyone else, but John yeah. McClane. And, and yeah. I love that. I love movies that have villains that are likable, engaging one step mm. ahead, complex feel. They feel complex. Um, yeah, it's just, and again, his henchmen all play off of that. It's such a wonderful just back and forth between all the characters, but he is just, he's so like in terms of like all these characters in the movie, he burns the character burns so brightly every time he's on screen. Yes. Or, what is he doing? What is he up to? And he has all these other cast members that, that are also just, just they're giving their best performances all in the mm. same movie. And mm -hmm. yet he still mm -hmm. rises above everything. And, and I yeah. just, you know, uh, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. He was, he's just mm. so wonderful in this film. And, um, sadly, you know, he's typecast as a villain for so long. And, uh, yet at the same time, this is one of the great movie villains. So yeah. can that's you think my number of one. other, like other actors while yeah. we're on this question, I mean, can you think of other yeah, actors that played villains <sighs> in and around this era that, mm. that you would mm -hmm. say like, Oh, that's another actor that would have been great in the Hans Gruber role. You know, when you think about the villains of the time, you, you immediately go, well, let's think action movies and the villains in those action movies. And like probably the next great action film after this is T2. Mm. But the Terminator and T, the T-1000, I mean, he's just this unstoppable killing machine. You know, right, the, the, right. what's interesting in that movie is, you know, Schwarzenegger and John Connor, like Terminator and John Connor and Sarah Connor. Like that, that's what's interesting. Right. Um, yeah. So it's hard to like, like pinpoint a villain and say this villain's great. I have to... I would have to think about probably the most shocking one would be in less than 10 years later, 1995, 1996, Kaiser Soze from The Usual Suspects. Like that was a villain mm. that seemed one step mm -hmm. ahead and like was scary yeah. and brilliant yeah. and you didn't quite know who he was and um, he hung over the movie the whole time and, and it was such a surprise at the end. So like that's a villain that comes to mind that's sort of iconic yeah. like a Hans Gruber. But that's that's yeah, that's all I can think of. Is there someone that you had in mind or, or anybody I think on the your first radar? person that comes to mind, and I already referenced this film earlier in this episode, and give me Gary Oldman. Give me Gary Oldman just yeah. to just do a kick ass take right. on Hans Gruber. And I, I think I think he pulls it off. I really do. I yeah, think he absolutely. Pulls it off. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, well, let's go to the second question, Devin. What do you have yeah, for your so, big question for this week? Well, you know, I was going to ask about the sequels because we do have these yeah. series of diehard sequels, which by and large, I think work perhaps better than sequels to a lot of other movies. And and let's face yeah. it, since Jeremy, I don't know if I again mentioned it, but Metropolis 
Citizen Kane Die Hard. Uh, to, to come up with a sequel for that, one of the three greatest films of all time, um, it's a risky proposition. So I, I want to ask uh, just quickly, do you have a favorite Die Hard sequel? But then I want to come back with another question that I actually just kind of came to me as we were talking. So do you have a favorite Die Hard sequel? I do. And it's actually kind of unpopular. Um, Uh-oh. It's it's Live Free or Die Hard is my favorite. Whoa. Um, yeah. Whoa. And, and let me... Let me add a little bit to this. I yeah. saw recently. I'm throw up in my mouth a little bit, but go ahead. No, no, no. Just, just listen, because you're you're okay. about you're you're gonna. I'm gonna open a door for you, Devin, that you can step through, <laughs> and and find happiness. Oh, if man. you can, if you can find the live free or die hard like director's cut. It okay. has all the language. It's not PG thirteen. Oh. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a, it's an R ish, um, diehard movie. And it is okay. so, it has a little bit more added to it, a little bit more fun, mm-hmm. but I watched it recently. I watched that cut and I'm like, my God, I actually love this movie. I love the wow. action in it. I love how insane it is all the way through. It's, it's different, but, yeah. um, there's enough McLean in it. And that old yeah. diehard McLean in it where I, I still, it still felt a little diehard to me. And, uh, so that's, that's my favorite. And I have a very strong affection for, for diehard to die harder. Um, but yes. those, those are, and I, I was actually, I'm one of the few that was super disappointed with diehard three. Mm. So see, I, I feel the same way. Like I'm a fan of diehard two. diehard three didn't really do much for me yeah. Yeah. at all. So uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of put that. That's like, Yeah. It's just not part of my personal headcanon. Um, but let me ask you this, though, because, you know, one of the things that inevitably happens in Hollywood is however many years down the road, there are like intellectual property reboots. Yeah, right? we're going to we're going to reboot something. And, and listen, in no way do I think that that should happen to Die Hard. But Hollywood is Hollywood. Right, and right, so right. who knows? It, it may happen in our lifetime. So let me ask you this, though, Jeremy, if the Die Hard series were to be rebooted, and that first installment, we're going to somewhat mirror the original Die Hard. Right. I, I want you to pick that lead actor that plays the part of McLean, but but I want you to give me a female action star that would fill that role. Ooh, goodness. All right, let me think for a second. Um Okay, here's here's someone that immediately jumped to my mind. Um Yeah. And it's not not a huge A list actress, um, but she's in stuff. People, when I say who yeah. it is, people most people yeah. know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I would pick Katie Sackoff, who is in most oh. recently in The Mandalorian. Yes, um, I think she she has this when she played Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica. There was this edge to her, but also humor yes. to her, and um, yeah, like I, I can think of Longmire. Her, yeah, yeah, she's in Longmire too. Yeah, I I could see yeah. her. Um, holding her own and and like I could see her doing the action scenes. I really believe her as a as an action star, and so I would yes. I would love to see her in something like that. Um, what about you? Well, here's the crazy thing: she's on my short list as well because okay, you know, yeah, two words: Katie Sackhoff. But yeah, yeah. Um, so there. Just, so just just to recover it, it's Metropolis, <laughs> Citizen Kane, Die Hard, Katie Sackhoff. Um, <laughs> I, I think Katie Sackhoff is a fantastic pick on, on uh, certainly all levels for a variety yeah. of reasons. I, 
I was tempted to kind of go down the road of some of the folks that are part of like the Marvel cinematic yeah. universe. But yeah. at the same time, that's, that's also kind of like, you know, Scarlett Johansson is wonderful. Right. Um, but like almost like I don't want to typecast her in that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, however, um, Charlize Theron, Mad ah, Max yeah. Fury Road. Yeah. Yep. G- give it to me and give it to me how daddy likes it <laughs> all day long. <laughs> <laughs> we could stop stop the show now. I don't know if I could. Thanks, folks. <laughs> she she is one of the best, and I I say this truly. Action stars yeah. right now. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Atomic Blonde. Just the action yes. scenes in that movie. I'm just like, yes. how on earth? And yeah, of course, Mad Max Fury Road. Just a classic. Yeah. Um, and even like she did recently, I watched a movie that she was in and on Netflix, and I can't mm. I honestly can't remember the title. Like most Netflix films, I forget it. But um, she played like an immortal, um, and so she would die, come back to life, and it was an action movie, and it was like like a good action. I like I was really intrigued by the premise, and and I think it was based off a, a comic book. And uh, apparently, they're going to make a sequel to it. So wow, um, well there you go. Yeah, so I. I I totally agree with your pick, Devin. And um, ah, yes, give, love it. give it to us all day long. All right. <laughs> Number three, my third, my, my question uh, for the three yeah. big questions is, so there's a diehard formula because of diehard. Mm-hmm. It's basically yeah. you have a hero in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has to stand up to some bad guys, terrorists, whatever you want to yeah. call them. And the the rest just falls into place. And, yeah. and sometimes that formula will include a location, like a singular location. Um, mm-hmm. And so this formula just started re- replicating itself. Like you just saw movie after movie after movie after movie. And many mm-hmm. of them are good action movies. So my question to you, Devin, is yeah. there's all these movies that use the diehard formula. Is there yeah. any that you would say, hey, everyone, Go check this out. This is worth seeing. Like, is there any that yeah. come to your mind? You mean in addition to like Tropic Thunder? <laughs> yes, in addition to in, in addition to that that classic Tropic Thunder. Well, you know, here's a couple. I I think that so it, I think it 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 riffs on some of the Die Hard right. formula, but you couldn't like put it up against Die Hard and say like, oh, it's a shot for shot or like a right, right. completely right, right. parallel yeah. storyline. But I think two things that come to mind that kind of have that that hero or protagonist that doesn't necessarily want to be in there. I, yeah. I think two films that I could probably watch over and over again would be the original Liam Neeson taken. Yes. And I also yeah. think um, more or less any of the Jason Bourne um, films yeah. as well. I, yeah. I, I think both of those have, have that right amount of tension in them that you're yeah. not quite sure what the outcome is going to be, which again is one of the things I think, makes Die Hard such a one of the right. many things that makes Die Hard such a strong film. Right. Yeah, there there's so many like that fall into the formula. Uh there are yeah. lists all over the internet. I mean, you have everything from like the 19 early 90s movie Toy Soldiers. Uh mm. some people might remember that. Um to my, one of my picks is Under Siege with Seagal, Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> Gary Busey. Um yeah. it's like it was when Seagal wow. had a lot of appeal and he hadn't gained a yeah. ton of weight yet. So his action scenes were, were kind of believable. And uh, yeah. so, you know, 
I that one really jumped out at me, and a lot of it has to do with just Busey and and Tommy Lee in it. I and I love yeah. the knife fight at the end. Yeah, Passenger Fifty Seven would fit that formula. Cliffhanger. Always bet on black. Yeah. Always bet on black, Jeremy. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> another one that I would throw out there that if you if you're listening and you haven't seen it, and you're like, I like Die Hard. I would like to see something similar. I think Olympus Has Fallen is is right mm. up there. I, I love. Yeah, that's a good pick. I love the idea of the White House being overrun, and and you have one you know former metaphorically guy. or in in cinema, Jeremy. Let's <laughs> clarify, right? Let's <laughs> let's clarify things. While <laughs> while there might be some issues, Ooh. literally, I'm talking in cinema. So hold on one second. There's it looks like there's a congressional person knocking at my door with a subpoena. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Go answer. Um, yeah, it's. I love it. I love Gerard Butler. I think, I think he's a great action star. I even watched yeah. one of the sequels to it recently that had oh. Nick Nolte in it, and I what? was I was laughing my butt off out of it, just enjoyment. Like it's one. In fact, the sequel I can't even. It's like Olympus has fallen, such and such has fallen. This is London has fallen. I think is the second one. Um, okay. Then there's a third there's one. A, oh, Angel. Angel has fallen. Yes. Right. And yes. Um, yes. Anyways, his code name was Angel. Yes. Yeah. And literally, there's a moment that happens in that movie where, out loud, I'm watching it by myself. Out loud, I I exclaim, "Holy shit! This is awesome!" And it's just like <laughs> Nick Nolte's just blowing up guys, and and I just I, I love it. I love the movie. Um, and it's oh, one of those guilty great. pleasures. And and uh, yes. I, my son Sam, who's He's 10. He's like, hey, dad, I, I like Die Hard. What else you got for me? And I'm, I, I think I'm going to have to show him this movie. So You're his those pusher. are my two I picks. It. <laughs> it's yeah. it's, it's uh, Olympus has fallen and Under Siege are my two like kind of Die Hard formula picks. So, yes. Um, anyways. Wow. Under Siege. <laughs> that's, that's, got some, that's got some memories attached to it. But uh, yes. that might be a patron-only episode. But <laughs> I anyway. think it's going to have to be. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well, let's take a break. We got, when we come back, we're going to do lock it in and rip the knob off. All time rock and roll 95.5. Lock it in and rip the knob off. All right, Devin. So here we go. This is the category. This is, where we ask the most important question about what song do we play mm. on the car radio on the way from the movie theater? We see it in yeah. 1988 in July. Yep. That yeah. best sums up how we feel about it. it. Came out around, I think, July 12th, I think, was its release in 1988. So summer of mm-hmm. 88. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the list is very interesting. I mean, are, have you seen that top 100 list? There's some. Yeah, cheese fest songs on it. Richard Marks yeah, is holding it's, the it's, top spot. So yeah, there you yeah. have it. There you have yeah. it. Well, Jeremy, here's what's going to happen, right? Is um, <laughs> a movie's going to end. Mike and Devin get back in Devin's little two door Mustang, and uh, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take out my straight out of Compton oh. set. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I, I was I was pretty hardcore back in the day. We're, Jeremy, we're dangerous, Yeah, uh, but what's interesting you bring up Richard Marks, Jeremy, because I'm I'm going to the top of the charts on this with Richard Marks. Hold on to the nights because here's the deal: it's it's not about the the 17 year old <laughs> in the infused 
kid coming out of the theater, but Hold On to the Nights by Richard Marks is my love song to John McClane and oh, this film. How sweet. I just, I just, I, Jeremy, I, I wish, <laughs> I wish, and I'm, you know, my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say this, but I wish I could find someone that looked at me the way that I look at the Die Hard films. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope you can find that, Devin. Thank I really you. Do. Thank like, you. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Oh my gosh. Oh what my about gosh. you? What, what song? What song are you? I, are you I can't even recover on? from that comment. Well, so <laughs> I, I have to go with. I remember walking out of the theater. And God, I thought you were going to say walking on sunshine for a second. I was going, no. "What are you doing?" No, I'm not going to do that. Although it's very similar. Katrina and the um, waves. <laughs> I remember like my dad picking me up and I remember just getting into the car going, I don't think I shut up from the time my dad picked me up until we got home. Wow. About just raving about this movie. So I'm going with poison. Nothing but a good time oh. as, as my, oh. as my pick. Uh, it yes. truly, it, it, I, there are movies that when you leave, the Matrix was like this for me. When I walked out, I'm mm. like, I'm so like amped, excited, satisfied. This mm. was so fun, worth the money. I love this movie. It's just like you. It's like you fall in love with it. And yeah, and yeah, uh, and I just it was just pure. Die Hard is pure entertainment, and mm. um, yeah, you just can't go wrong with it. it. It's just truly you can pick it up at any point. In the like in the film and just watch it and you'll be totally yeah. satisfied. Like it's like oh, yeah. it's twenty minutes yeah. in. I'm just going to keep watching. It's the last ten yeah. minutes. I'm watching. You know, yeah, it, it just absolutely. truly truly satisfies. I think the 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 film fan in me and 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 so yes. and so that's that song sums it up for me. Uh, let's uh, let's close out the show. We need to we need to talk about there can be only one. Mm -hmm. What is our wow. favorite thing? So here we go. There can be only one. All right, Devin, we're closing it out. So what's the single best thing? It could be a character, a moment, scene, line, theme of the movie, song. Uh, what's well, the best uh, thing about Die Hard? Let me, let me first say this. We, we haven't even touched on perhaps one of the funniest things ever that not only you and I have talked about off air, but that actually made it into um, an episode <laughs> An episode of what? What's the TV? The the, the Goldbergs. Um, yeah. The the <laughs> instead of yeah. saying Yippee Kaye motherfucker, is Yippee Kaye. There's two versions: the Melon Farmer or Mr. Falcon. <laughs> Yippee Kaye Melon Farmer. Yippee Kaye Mr. Falcon. So take your pick. Oh, um, and while glorious. that's gold, um, it, here there's there can be only one, and it's this, Jeremy. Um, Harrison Ford is, if not quoted, paraphrased as saying this to George Lucas on the set of Return of the Jedi 1983 is like, George, you can type this shit, but you sure can't say it, right? <laughs> and and I think that the dialogue in Die Hard from yes. start to finish is gold. There, it's, there is not amazing. any dialogue that is wasted, that is cheesy, that is anything less than chef's kiss emoji, Jeremy. And so for me, yeah. there can be only one. It is the dialogue of this film. It's so quotable. It, it truly, it, it, it really is. is. And not just the Yippie Kaye line, but just, I mean, there's scene after scene after scene after scene yeah. where you're just like, yep, yep. It, but it there's no eye roll us. moments either. There's None. no eye roll moments. None. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. And 
it, it that's I mean, and it stands the test of time. This movie came out in eighty eight. Yep. It it can stand up against all the John Wicks all day long. I mean, it, it can all the action movies today. It, it stands yeah. up with them, and it, it right. truly is this classic. There's so much we could talk about. I mean, there's so many things to like just all the villains and their little you know quirks that they have. Yeah, um, yeah. To all the different action set pieces. Oh, the SWAT team coming in and yeah. get by the thorn. I mean, that's yeah. gold. It's it's incredible. Like. Just, just the the turns that the story has could easily yeah. be people's favorite part. Everything from, yeah. you know, trying to blow up everybody on the top of the building to, you know, the climactic end where Hans almost falls to, you know, he's falling to his death, right. grabs Holly, and you know they're right. trying to get, you right. know, get get save yeah. Holly, and just the excitement throughout the film. For me, I always love when the hero has to. Um, I'll give you an example, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indiana Jones mm. sees Marion in um, the the Nazi plane in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where yeah, um, he sees her. He's fighting this giant of a man, yeah. but he kind of puts it all together where he sees the gas kind of coming to the fire. He knows that it's going to yeah. blow that plane up, and there's this yeah. desperation that Harrison Ford has, where he just like. He leaves it all out. I mean, he punches the dude three or four times. doesn't do really anything but bloody his nose. Um, yeah. And if it wasn't for the propeller, you know, Indiana wouldn't make it. But there is this right. excitement, action movie desperation. And mm. I don't see it a whole lot. Um, mm. But in this movie, I did. And there is nothing that I delight in more than John McClane fighting Carl the henchman yes. Hans. Yes. Not henchman. the intern, not the intern, <laughs> not our intern. Although that would be very interesting. <laughs> that um, yeah. Patreon only episode. <laughs> it's coming up. Um, <laughs> but M- McLean's the final, the, the big final fight that they have. Yeah. And just McLean yeah. just cussing as he's punching yeah. him. Um, yes. You should have heard how your brother squealed, you know, it, it just yeah. like, yeah. you know, just, I love that stuff. It's my favorite part. It was like kind of getting mm. into the most exciting moments of the film. I, I just that's my favorite thing, but but my gosh, yeah. tomorrow it's something different. I mean, I just love <laughs> Die Hard so much. It's it's such a yes, uh, it's such a classic. And so, if you haven't watched it yet this Christmas, do yourself a favor, watch Die Hard. Uh, we probably need to do a commentary track at some point. I think um, for Die Hard, I, I think that's in order. Yeah. I think that is absolutely yeah. in order. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to do that. So, um, thanks for listening. We we we're coming to the close of the year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, happy new year. You can find us on Twitter at living in the past, uh, L I V I N the past. You can find us on Patreon where we have additional content. If you love this discussion, you want to hear more of them. You can join us there at patreon.com forward slash living in the past, L I V I N I N the past. Hey, our next episode will be in the new year and it's going to be fast times at Ridgemont high. Oh. Yeah. We're going to, oh. we're going to start the year off going for it (laughs) wow more ways than one hey and it's a 1982 film we're we're doing we're one of the things we're doing next this coming year is we're picking films that were made in 1982 because it's the 40th anniversary so we're going to be doing fast times at ridgemont high um our patreon show what you're talking about uh will be coming out very shortly and it's it's all about the best moments in christmas movies our favorite moments Mm. best moments we've seen in christmas movies in the 70s 80s and and 90s Devin. so um that's what we got coming up yeah so thank you all for listening to the show we can't wait to to share all this new content with you 
uh, in the coming weeks. But as we close out the show, it's mm. just like you were wanting to hear. You were waiting for all wow. the stuff that came before it, all this talk about Die Hard. It's nothing compared to the song that Carl, our intern, has produced for us. So as put we the, the close out the show. Not safe for yeah, work. Put the, put the kids it, to bed. Hey, it's, it's dangerous. <laughs> it's, it's dangerous. All right. Thanks for listening. As we close out, here's Carl, the intern. Uh, let us know what you think about this glorious song on the socials. Uh, but here's, here's Carl with his Die Hard tribute song. Oh, I was die hard every Christmas night. Gold. Gets me in that holiday mood. Let's die hard every Christmas night. <laughs> I hear some say it's not a Christmas movie. It's set Christmas Eve. His wife's named Holly. How much evidence do you need to understand? John McClane keeps talking about Jesus. Hans has 12 men like the days of Christmas. One guy looks just like Huey Lewis, but where's his band? Oh, I watch Die Hard every Christmas night. It's me in that holiday mood Watch Die Hard every Christmas night Oh, I watch Die Hard every Christmas night A tradition I never miss Yelling yippee-ki-yay Yelling yippee-ki-yay Such classics as Jingle Bells, Winter Wonderland, Christmas in Hollis, and even though it's in LA, there's Let It Snow. John has C4 in his Santa Claus sack, he uses Christmas wrap for a gun on his back, and writes, Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. I watch Die Hard every Christmas night It gets me in that holiday mood I Die Hard every Christmas night Oh, I watch Die Hard every Christmas night Tradition I never miss Yelling yippee-ki-yay Air he drove out of sight John labored like Santa All through the night Hauled on the naughty list Because he is wrong Fell from Nakatomi Now dead I'm so glad he's gone Watch Die Hard every Christmas night 
It gets me in that holiday mood Watch Die Hard every Christmas night Oh, I watch Die Hard every Christmas night A tradition I never miss Yelling yippee-ki-yay Yelling yippee-ki-yay